Listeners be advised. The Holiloquy podcast discuss matters related to the human experience and many that are sexual in nature. Due to this, some conversations may surround triggering topics such as sexual violence, self-harm, abuse, and much more. Please be advised, a list of crisis and psychological resources will be available in the show notes of this episode. With that said, let's get started with the show. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please as we go through the following safety instructions. In the event that there is a loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will drop from the overhead. Place the mask over your nose and mouth. Breathe normally as oxygen is flowing even if the mask does not Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. This is your favorite host, Vernon T. Scott, also known as Slater Jackson, and for you freaky motherfuckers out there, Sebastian Adams. On today's episode, again, I'm blessed with the fabulous Lori. Hi. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Doing well. Thank you so much for having me again. Of course, of course. You're blessing the platform. You're, we're honored to have you here. The audience loves you. If they don't, they need to get their lives together because you're an amazing person. We love amazing people around here. If you can't love, if you cannot love someone that's amazing, what's wrong with you? Like seriously, what's wrong with you? Like I just love you your energy. <laughs> you're just like this beautiful burst of sunshine. <laughs> Well, let me melt a motherfucker real quick. Oh my god! <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh god, I love it. I love it. Okay, <clears throat> get into the zone of your podcasting, Vernon. One of these days, I'm going to become a professional. That's not my goal, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> You're heading that way, though. You're doing awesome. You're kicking in butt on this. Right, right. Look at me. Oh, and on today's episode, we will be talking about mental health and relationships. Now, if y'all do not already know, Lori, why haven't you listened to the other episodes? What are you doing with your life? For real, get your act together, guys. Go back. Go back and listen. (laughs) Check me out. (laughs) Like, what you're doing? What are you doing with your life? Hopefully, you're doing something positive with your life. But I'm hoping to do something freaky deaky. That's what I'm hoping. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> like that's got to be the only excuse right Vernon <laughs> the only excuse only acceptable excuse <laughs> and it better have been pleasurable for you and the other person like mutual pleasure mm-hmm. is where it's mutual at. pleasure for sure <laughs> but as long as you make sure that you've got got yours I'm sorry I have to say it because you're listening to the podcast and if the other person is listening to I'm sorry I hope this person <laughs> gave you yours too <laughs> Only acceptable reason. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so weird. Like two people listen to the podcast together. They just had sex and we're having this conversation. They're just like, hmm, I got mine. Did you get yours? And then and there's that long like... pause. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get at it again then, guys. <laughs> Look, round two. Here we go. Round two. Try again. <laughs> Look, since you got yours, it's time for you to build up mine. I'm sorry. I love you, but 
<laughs> the podcast said mutual pleasure. Mutual. <laughs> All parties involved. Oh, God. <laughs> But on today's episode, we are talking about mental health and relationships, and we're going to get all heavy into this conversation. First off, we're going to talk about ideal relationships. What is your thought process as it relates to people um, forming their own ideal relationships? Do you uh, follow that um, mindset of you you should build an ideal relationship, or you're more so... um, I build the relationship that I have with this person and I don't fantasize of what a relationship should be. So what, what's your stance on ideal relationships? Um, let's start with defining relationship. Mm. Uh, like realize that when we speak about relationships in this particular context, we're talking about uh, two or more parties that gather and what is that bond going to look like is up to the parties involved. Absolutely. If we put constraints around what ideal needs to look like, there is a possibility that it won't be able to grow and evolve past that or turn into something more unique, or there'll be pressure to reach something that wasn't actually going to happen with that party. So I'm looking more along the lines of what do we want this relationship to be, what looks healthy in that context, and what makes me happy in that context, and what makes the other person happy in that context. So you have some space to kind of grow and evolve and change if necessary. Now, relationships can be friendships. They can be um, fuck buddies. They can be uh, more than one partner in a committed relationship or one partner and another partner uh, it's a couple in a committed relationship it could be a married couple there's a lot of different ways that we can have a relationship emotional connection intimacy connection sexual connection erotic connection somebody who is non any of those you know who's off the spectrum of of having an intimate or sexual connection but is there for a emotional way, a manner in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So once you've kind of looked at what you're what you're hoping this connection will be, then deciding what looks healthy, where do I want to go with this person? How does this person fulfilling me? Is this person going to be giving consent for me to grow separately outside of them and together with them? And in what way do I want to grow with them? So there's a lot of different angles for you to look at that particular relationship and how do you want it to grow? And as far as like achieving an ideal self, I have trouble with that word ideal. Ideal can mean a lot of different things and it can also be very constraining. Mm. What do you think about that? For me, I see ideal as being very restrictive because when you form uh, an idea uh, in general, there's a certain image. And when you're painting that image, like once you're done, you're done. You Mm. can make adjustments to it. You can change it around, of course, but it's no longer the same image. Uh, It's no longer the same ideal. It's something that's developed a little bit more. So whenever I think of placing that on relationship I just see it as 
taken away the variety of the other person that's going you're going to engage with because you want them to fit a certain mold or you want them to uh, fit a certain image and they may not even be in that same picture that you have they may have some of those aspects but they're even with those same aspects, they're not going to maneuver themselves the same way. And kind of going back to like labels in a way, in a, in a sense, like let's say if you're looking for someone who's like you're on the queer spectrum, you identify as like for myself, I, I identify as bi. And um, because of that, uh, I may be looking for a man and um, that man that I'm looking for, uh, let's say I want him to identify as gay. Okay, if he does identify as gay, he's not going to, like, that's my ideal that I'm putting up for this uh, scenario. Right, right. Because he's gay doesn't mean that he's going to fit the 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 ideal image that I have for myself, meaning he may not express himself sexually the way I may want him to express himself because of the image that I presented, rather than seeing him for who he is and building that relationship and connecting with him in that manner. Uh, but instead, I'm trying to paint him into a picture. And I see that happening in a lot of people's relationships, most definitely when it comes to those social media ones, because they look a certain way, they look in uh, like they'll be a great couple, and they try to make the yeah. relationship work as much as possible, but it's just an image of a relationship and not a, <laughs> a reality of a relationship. It's just we look good together. Yeah, I see that happening uh, where people are trying to force it into this particular shape that they want it to look like mm -hmm. instead of seeing what they have and working with what they have. And is that really working for me mm. or not? You know, you can't force something to happen when you're coming in with these preconceived notions on what it needs to be. Mm -hmm. It's just that's not going to work for you. It's a great point. The social media is this whole other animal, this whole other layer that we're looking this, through this lens at the world. And sometimes that can make people want to be something that they're not because that other thing looks so cool the way it's being presented. You can't see the other side of what's really there. It's it's a imaginary <laughs> world <laughs> that they're presenting. You're seeing a little snippet of the real world that they're having. And a lot of times that little snippet is staged. Mm. So I love it when people stay off of social media for a while and just kind of like build something more intimate with their partner. They're not looking at what the rest of the world is, is doing and they're not sharing with the rest of the world what's happening with them, but just, being in the space together, mm -hmm. being present with each other, just talking to each other about what their goals are, how they want, where they want to go with their relationship and living in it moment by moment. That That is so much more rewarding than the likes and the comments that you get from posting things on social media. <laughs> yeah. And in, in addition to that, like when you think about like the um, back to our need of validation from other people, um, we see the trending things, the trending moments, and you see couples reenact those those trends. And it's like, are you doing this 
in, in order to you know keep up with the trend or is this your way of identifying with other people that you have a very healthy and successful relationship because that's what these other couples are doing and we need to show other people that we're still thriving as a couple so we're going to hop on the trend do these dances do this um the skit do these cooking challenges or whatever the case is <laughs> to show the fun how dance, much the tiktok dances right 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 to show how loving we are and show it to the world that we're still going strong but are we doing that because the love is really there or is this just the front that we want to show that hey we too fit that ideal relationship because we do live our lives on social media these days unfortunately rather than live our lives within the reality of this is the person I've been with and I still don't know them yeah so they're creating this image for the world but are they making it really happen behind those closed doors mm -hmm. that is <laughs> significant and uh that kind of reminds me of um how unhealthy relationships wind up being so shocking to people when some when someone in the couple comes to them and they're like hey I, this is not working so well. I'm going to be leaving my partner. It's really not healthy that he, he or she or they are been doing X, Y, Z and it's stifling or it's hurting me or I'm getting depressed from it. And they go to the other person that they're friends with and they're close with to confide in them. And that friend is like, wait a minute, I just saw you post this thing on TikTok where you guys are like laughing together and dancing. I don't understand what's mm -hmm. going on here. So there's a, a problem with being and like not presenting your real authentic self in the world mm -hmm. that that can be hard to get help when you're always worried about what other people are thinking of you and living separately from that you can stay in toxic relationships for way too long and have trouble finding people who are able to help you mm -hmm. because you're you're hiding the relationship yeah. I know I think about my social media presence quite often and I know like on my Facebook my Facebook is where I'm the most honest I will say until I just decided I'm done with Facebook but I would make posts about what's really going on in my life because I learned over the years how people just make these fictions or they only highlight the good things that's going on rather than the real things. And this is people that I've personally been close to and knowing their struggles and what they're going through, because, you know, I give off therapy, therapist energy already and everybody <laughs> wants to talk to me about their life. So <laughs> learned a lot over the years. So. <laughs> Because of that, people will be telling me that, oh, yeah, I'm not in a good space and this, that, and the third. And I'm like, but why are you on social media acting like you are? It's okay to say yeah. that you're going through some things. And because of those same people, uh, I decided to be open and upfront of, about the struggles that I'm going through. So other people will see that, you know, people don't always have it going well for themselves and that's okay and I should be comfortable enough in seeing that I'm not okay as well and I've had so many people just like burning thank you for posting this because uh, I I'm going through this and I needed that and just build that conversation from there uh, and even with like my Instagram now, my Instagram is all kinds of messy, and it's it has <laughs> <Me too. laughs> right? it has that 
that space, you may see a lot of the happy-go-lucky things that I've been doing. But if you watch some of my stories, and I'm actually doing like a story for people, that's when I actually communicate. Because I used to do this on YouTube, uh, not YouTube, on my Snapchat. But I decided, let me bring this to the space of Instagram, because those same people who been reaching out are those who have not reached out they're on this space of instagram or facebook and since they're connected there we go so i can still keep people up to date on the struggles are updated on you know the good things or even send yeah. words of encouragement to people without having to be on these platforms all the time the holiloquy podcast focuses on the variability of sexual expression when it comes to sexual expression, we often depend on pornography to illustrate how one must perform sexually. For those who have not learned this by now, the stuff you see in porn is not real. Pornography provides a singular perspective of sexual expression that is not often the reality we see during our own sexual encounters. The Holiloquy Podcast is a conversation that takes you outside of the compressed box of what many know about sex. Some of the topics we discuss includes kinks, condom usage, status disclosure, and past sexual experiences. The Holiloquy Podcast steps out on sexual norms and recognizes that the norm is not the only normal. Subscribe today and join the conversation. People up to date on the struggles are updated on you know, the good things or even send yeah. words of encouragement to people without having to be on these platforms all the time because of me reducing my intake of these platforms and, you know, being in those toxic spaces. Right. I I am not on TikTok. I have got an account for my business and I did absolutely nothing with it. And I <laughs> plan on doing absolutely nothing with it, even though I'm told that's like the place I'm supposed to be. And I'm just like, uh it's not an authentic space for me it's just not um i do very little with instagram anymore but facebook i find i'm i am quite a bit there and i i on your point of like sharing everything that's going on within reason Mm -hmm. like there's you you don't want to share every little gory detail of your relationship drama or troubles that you're having in that space because it's not going to help you Mm -hmm. but but being more real in general with the people that you're sharing your world with whether that's in social media or in in real life will help you create real authentic healthy friendships partnerships uh, just work relationships in general just relationships in general would be more healthy because you're giving the real you you're presenting the real you and they're going to mirror that back to you with an appreciation and you'll get something of substance mm-hmm. there and that's a beautiful thing it, it is it reminds me you get stuff that feed your soul like find yeah. connections that make you feel great, make you feel loved, make you feel warm without any type of manipulation. Like if anybody's telling you, like if they're making you feel great and you have to pay or if you have to um, 
uh, it's transactional. Leave it alone. Get out. Get out. <laughs> Please just go yes. ahead and get up out of there. Um, red yes. flag. <laughs> flags on right? the flag. They're all red. But um, <laughs> if someone uh, is providing you with comfort, providing you with uh, love and care and accountability on top of that, these are the people that you really do need to having your circle and like I will say if there were to be an ideal relationship that's what it would be for me uh having mm-hmm. people who are willing to provide me with care provide me with warmth provide me with love and respect and accountability because look I, I find people that hold you accountable to your shit um but the main thing um they provide me with like consent and uh, respect my consent as well and respect personal autonomy yes i'm happy (laughs) yes that's a truly healthy good relationship right there someone who's able to support you and cherish you as you're growing as a person and giving you your space when you need it giving you healthy love love that is unconditional Mm. it's not held by some expectation and threat <laughs> like <laughs> there uh, i bring that up because you know what that's what's modeled in our tv shows and our movies mm. and our books as a sexy healthy relationship is this partner that's jealous and is giving you uh restrictions you can't go out with your friends they might be flirting with you or Mm -hmm. you can't do this or i'm gonna be sad because i'm by myself and those sorts of expectations are not not healthy if anything happens where you don't fit in with what they are expecting you to be do change about yourself that hurts their ego and then there could be retaliation and you don't want to be in a relationship where you're at risk of -hmm. some sort of retaliation. What are they going to take something from you or do something to you because you didn't follow their rule? That's not okay. It's not, it is not okay at all. Uh, And I think, (laughs) Because you hit the nail on the head because that is what is modeled within our society. Yeah. Uh, it's the, the narcissist uh, narrative. Yes. The uh, constant seek of validation, the constant seek of um, meeting my desires or my desires are more important than yours. The lack of mutual uh, respect and conversation is the I will die for you kind of thing too right rather than I want to live for you (laughs) it's that idealized like oh my partner's jealous they must really love me Mm -hmm. that idealized um like you said I will I will die for you I will kill for you so you have to do this for me because I will do so much for you and the way that that's put in that context is just um lifting up this whatever serves the other person versus the back and forth mutual respect between each other that is truly what makes for a loving relationship Mm, mm. like i've been thinking about like because i had a conversation with someone um it was like a couple months ago and i just told them i'm just not the jealous type when it comes to relationships now does that mean i have points in time where I may feel jealousy yes but do I 
dwell in that? No, because like if someone were to walk up to my partner and they flirt with them, I'm going to laugh. I'm going to feel comfortable because I know this person is here with me already. And okay, you can think of however you want about how this situation is going to go for you, but I don't feel threatened by you. And if that was the intent of that person to make me feel threatened as though that they can take somebody from me, okay, cool. That means that that person wasn't mine. I don't want to own a person. I want my partner to have self-ownership. And I Mm. love that for them. And I love that for myself. So if they decide to leave me, okay, I'm not going to be hurt. Am I going to grieve the relationship? Hell yeah. But I'm not going to feel any kind of way about what transpired because that was their choice and that was their decision. So you didn't steal anything. You just made something end and that's, that is what it is. <laughs> exactly. The, I love the way you said that. Um, the, the concept of fear of loss that drives the extreme jealousy. The the mild jealousy is healthy and natural, normal. The little ping that you get, but then you remind yourself, oh, wait, but I'm not losing anything here. They're gaining something and it's going to come back to me and I'm going to gain something as well from, from acknowledging that they're happy with whatever is happening in that moment or that they have this beautiful thing that they're experiencing in this moment. That's like that's the healthy jealousy. The, I can acknowledge that I have this feeling and I can be healthy with this feeling and not put constraints um, or uh, ultimatums on my partner because mm-hmm. of this feeling. But in the media, they, they build up that jealousy as this either this big bad thing that somebody can have and it, it's all consuming and it drives them and they go mad from it or this very controlling jealous person that it's idolized as well that shows that they love you because they're feeling jealous so they must really want you so you have to do whatever they say so that you can calm them down because they can't control it themselves Mm. that is not okay that's a very unhealthy way of experiencing jealousy and that just simply means that they're the person who's feeling that has some inner work to do Mm. so if you're feeling something like that and you find yourself saying to your partner Oh, man, no, I really don't want you to go away for the weekend with your friends uh, or go to that bachelorette party or go to that that strip club with your uh, your other dudes that you're your friends with or whatever. You know, like, I don't want you to do that because I'm feeling jealous and I don't want to lose you. So you need to stay home with me. That's an ultimatum that's saying you can't go out and do this because I'm feeling this way. So if you go. I'm going to be really unhappy with you and you're going to lose something from me. And that's not okay. You can't control Mm -hmm. your partner in that. You do the inner work for yourself where you're like, why am I feeling this way? I'm afraid my partner is going to like somebody else more than me. Is that based in truth? Well, why are you with that person? If you're, they're going to be leaving you because they think someone else is prettier or more handsome or whatever, Mm. you know, (laughs) why are you with them then? Um, if it is it not based on truth and is your mind playing games with you, talk to the person, get whatever reassurance you need in that moment, but let them go so they can show you that they'll come back to you. And that that's a healthier version of that feeling. Mm, yes. See, 
I love that you just explained it this way because this this reminds me of why I do not like ultimatums because yeah. whenever I hear those I'm just like then just leave like or just <laughs> whenever it gets to that point where you have to provide an ultimatum for somebody ask why are you at that point and yeah. is it really worth losing because of that like when that tv show the ultimatum I'm like okay I get the idea of wanting to uh, put shows. pressure on right <laughs> I, like <laughs> to put the pressure on somebody because some people do need it but at the same time you can also communicate uh, what's going on with you and why that's not coming this way if that person needs some assistance because they've never seen like a healthy marriage or they've never seen a healthy relationship they've never experienced certain things and they mm. may need professional assistance to unravel that so that they can get to that point where you want them to be then allow them that space to do that rather than providing them with the it's a do or you don't or if you do if you do this I'm out or if you don't do this I'm out whatever the case is it's I see ultimatums as being another form of manip manipulation it is it really is it is another form of a way to control people to mm -hmm. get the outcome that you want. But are you really getting the outcome that you want, though? That person is now staying with you because uh, you told them that you'd leave. But they're thinking about what they just missed out on that they're being told they can't go to. Mm -hmm. And they might look for another way or another avenue of getting what it is that they wanted anyway. And now they might be holding resentment towards you because you controlled them. Mm. And is that the kind of relationship you really want? You want one held back and forth with control and resentment? I don't think so. Right. Now, if you're a fan of ultimatums, uh, feel free to let me know exactly why you need those in your relationship and whatnot. But definitely after this conversation, because I want to know, I really do. Because look, I don't always understand other people's perspective. And to help me understand it, I, that's why I have conversations. Um, because look, I have my own perspective and others have their perspectives and I cannot see what I don't understand unless somebody gives it to me. Um, like literally most heterosexual relationships. I just don't get it. it I do not. I try to fathom it. It's unfathomable to me. So I, I'm sorry. I love, <laughs> I love y'all. I truly do, but I just don't be getting because the shit that y'all be doing to each other. It makes no sense. Let, let, let people be free in their sexuality. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that <laughs> up though because there is a um i mean granted it's across the across the broad spectrum mm -hmm. control and jealousy in monogamous relationships especially but in in a relationship where you have this a sexual and romantic connection with somebody there tends to be um a high I don't I don't want to say definitely because I don't have the stats in front of me, but there's a high percentage in heterosexual relationships and in first or second relationships after coming out later in life that are toxic, that are based with a lot of control and unease and expectations of fitting into certain roles. Mm. And what I found in the research that I did do on heterosexual relationships was just that if if it's not quite there yet with both couples being in the more modern mindset of shared gender roles and they are fitting into the old world mindset of what is expected of a cis woman and a cis man in a relationship anytime that there's a stray in that that concept of what that gender roles expectations are 
then there winds up being the headbutting control hmm. play on each other. And that be- turns into a more codependent, toxic relationship. There could be healthy versions of codependency where they're not extreme. It's just like the monogamous way of being is that we're together we are each other's everything Mm -hmm. and i will do this part for you and you'll do that part for me and we have these this uh going side by side doing this together Mm -hmm. and you're not going to go out and have friends with the opposite sex meaning that the typical binary expectations of what that means the cis man's not going to go out with cis women as friends because there's jealousy and it won't look good and that's gonna cause that people talk in town that you're straying from me is it's an old world mentality. It's an old world mindset. And it leads to a lot of jealousy and a lot of uh, problems in a relationship that turn very toxic. Mm. And speaking of toxic, oh, I'm going to jump around a little bit um, because we were going to discuss that random divorce uh, story that you um, were telling me about. <laughs> I, I definitely we're finally to get getting that. around to that, aren't we? Yes, because <laughs> I want the tea on that one. But I wanted to talk about intimate partner violence first, so we can get the heavy stuff out, and then in in this story. Um, but with the intimate partner violence, how um, many people don't see that intimate. Well, for what I've learned, there's like multiple versions of intimate partner violence. There's the ones where the partners are abusing each other. There's the ones that's um, built in, based in terrorism is the word that was used in that research I was reading. But when there's uh, the tyrant within the relationship that's controlling and manipulating this person and they're they're fearful. So what... What are some of your stances as it relates to, or your sentiment as it relates to intimate partner violence? It is really heartbreaking when you come across somebody who has been involved in either emotional, physical uh, partner violence, the, the part where their lives are at risk and they're being held captive or they're being... Um, terrorized in some way shape or form and it's also very heartbreaking that there's not a lot of education out there or an allow or i don't want to say allowance um a lot of modeled uh, way of modeling for kids especially that are growing into their relationships and growing up and seeing not a lot of options for healthy relationships out there in the media so the concept of domestic violence and or intimate partners in general, whether they're living together or not, and that sort of control play and without consent Mm -hmm. and an understanding of what it means to have psychological uh, terror being put upon you. Just just what that is to how to be aware of the signs in this in the cycle of that there, there really needs to be a lot more done for public education. Because mm. a lot of people will step into a relationship and it will slowly evolve into something that's very controlling with right before your eyes and you don't even realize it. And then one day your friend or somebody comes up to you and is like, you know, that's really not safe what that person's doing to you. Mm. And you look back and you're reflecting like, holy cow, how did I get here with this person 
hitting walls or controlling my money or telling me how I'm supposed to look. And when we say these things, when we list these things, we're like, oh, yeah, well, if I ever got into a relationship like that, obviously I would know. Like, how could somebody not know that they're in a violent, unsafe situation very easily? Because it's a slow, evolving change, mm -hmm. a little bit of freedom being taken away at a time, a little bit of your self-esteem being chipped away at a time. And so when I was looking, this was back when I was in grad school. Um, I have to wonder what the stats are now, but when I was looking at domestic violence and uh, it's now called intimate partner violence because it doesn't, you don't always have to be living with the person for it to be an unsafe and violent situation. Um, and it's not always have to be a cis man and cis woman heterosexual couple or a monogamous couple. It could be a lot of different kinds of ways of formatting that relationship where it could be violent and mm -hmm. unsafe. So I was comparing data between heterosexual couples and LGBTQ couples and just kind of comparing um, the data behind them. And besides the fact that research is still being done because people haven't always come out of the closet or they felt safe to fill out these research forms, right? These surveys, um, the, the people that are going for help with places aren't always saying I was in a gay relationship because it's not always safe to say that. Mm. But when I was looking at it, the statistics are ridiculously high with the chances of somebody who is later in life coming out on the gay, queer, whatever, sexually fluid spectrum or gender fluid spectrum with being in a unsafe relationship, mm. one that is showing uh, psychological um, violence or physical violence or a combination of the two. And I wanted to bring that up. I wanted to raise awareness for that, that there is a need for us to work um, on our self-esteem on understanding what a healthy relationship is, on getting our footing on who we are so that we have the courage to have boundaries and look for a healthy person and find a, a relationship that's going to encourage and support us rather than um, be controlling and hurtful to us. Mm. So I'm here trying to raise awareness for that. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you for sharing uh, because I didn't even... Uh... Like, even with what I do in terms of my research, yeah, I may come across, you know, uh, intimate partner violence every now and again, because it is sexual assault, and that comes up, but yeah. uh, I don't have to dive deeper into intimate partner violence if I don't have to, or because it's completely separate in a way, yeah. that, um, because of how it's expressed um and how it develops over time so um like i appreciate you for sharing that because you you educated me <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love it. um and even with the high numbers of um queer people who've uh, come out late in life and knowing that they've experienced a higher or uh significantly different the high amount of intimate partner violence throughout their lives is shocking um yeah and like we don't have these conversations often and just the 
the um, thought of, because I remember a book that I read um, when I was a lot younger, and I'm so grateful and thankful that I read this book. It's called Breaking the Cycle by Zane, and it was multiple people who um, wrote. I don't know if it was them, their experience personally, or it was just a story that they were telling. It might have been their personal stories, and just learning through that, that men also experience um intimate partner violence yes opened my eyes then that i do have to be mindful of who i engage with because i might um experience that too as well as like you said with people who are queer being able to talk about that with somebody you don't know Mm -hmm. if that's a safe space and i learned from that person's um conversation that even with men in this space and they've been um, a victim of um ipv that they're seen less than or they're ridiculed by these people that are supposed to support them in this and make sure that they have resources. And ever since then, I've even been thinking to myself that a lot of the resources that we provide, be it IPV or sexual assault, do not make a space for men. Um, And that's something that really does upset me, most definitely on college campuses. Like we have um, sexual assault um, spaces or we have counseling spaces available for students, but we put those or advertise those for a lot of the women. And even when it comes to the staffing of those, we don't also, we don't often include the men so that yes. they can connect with uh, male victims or show that men can be empathetic and help you with these problems too. So it's like. There needs to be a whole structural change Mm -hmm. in how how we create support and help for people who are in some sort of violence situation in their relationship so Mm. like you said yes a lot of the money the funding (laughs) the um the people who are running the the groups the people who are advertising the groups it's it's all geared towards cis women who were in heterosexual relationships with a dominant uh, controlling male partner, cis male partner, creating some sort of violent, unsafe situation for them and their kids and having them move. But we haven't advertised or done research even. Enough. There's not, not enough empirical data. There's beginnings of data and some of it's flawed and there's not a lot of time or energy or money being put into looking at how how a a, a, a cis male who has a dominant and and I say dominant in a and in this tendency where they're controlling in a without consent way and causing trouble and and both physically financially emotionally to their their husbands mm-hmm. and their the husband could be home with the kids there could be a, a person that is in a situation like that, that is trying to get help and is getting laughed at mm. or not feeling safe enough to go and get the support because it's all advertised for people who don't look like them. Exactly. Like, I remember there was this story that happened in Florida. I forgot the um, information about it because it's been a while. I 
I briefly talked about it last year on the podcast uh, with my friend Tyrell, but um, there was this guy who was being abused by his girlfriend and the friends knew that this was going on and everything. And I, I don't know for sure. I think he did report it, but eventually his girlfriend ended up murdering him. And the narrative within that uh, situation is that the people immediately start to blame the man and with him being black as well that was another layer uh, layer going on it and she was a white woman and then people even went so far as to go into his past like it's 2023 now and this was nine years ago because i remember it was like 2014 ish or probably a little bit like 2011 2012 where he was speaking uh ill about black women and they used these tweets to even paint an even more negative narrative of this man so that we don't see him as the victim in this situation because he was the victim and there's so many men who are victims of domestic violence and don't speak on it because if they do they're going to be seen as less than a man and rather than being seen as the victim which they are and even within the society that we live in we uh act as though oh, why didn't you hit her? Because I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit stronger than her. And if I were to hit her, we all know where this is going to go. And on top of that, I, I've i been dealing with this person for so long, I don't know how to escape from that in a healthy way, or I don't know what would happen if I do escape. Men have those same thoughts too. Yep. And uh, like, this is why I do not ever um, shame any person who's been in a, um, violent situation like this and go back to their abuser or even follow with go back into another cycle of abuse because that has become normal for them and they have to do the mental work as well as feel support from many many people before they can actually escape that they need that financial assistance they need housing they need um people who will make sure that if this person comes back that they will still have defense around them they need to be sure that they cut these ties from a lot of people i i even see where there's family who are just like i don't want that drama with me so they may need strangers to be the support that they need so that the family's not involved or they are not harmed because they know where this person's at there's so many things that go into the experience of someone who's uh who's living through intimate partner violence that we often overlook because we I don't ever see myself being a a victim of that that would never happen to me or this person is foolish for being in this relationship when they don't know what this person's lived experience really really is exactly exactly and circling back to um the non uh mainstream look looks for relationships get dealing with this like you said, there's just so many more layers involved in, get, in what caused them to get into a relationship and stay in a relationship that was not healthy and turned violence, and then why they might be going back or not ex- or not getting out and changing their life. All of those resources and privileges that are not there for underrepresented populations, whether that's based on race and ethnicity or the sexual and gender orientation. There's so much involved in what is 
a problem for them getting out and getting help and starting over and starting fresh. Not to mention if they have children involved on top of that, these, all these layers. And so talking to people to raise awareness, not only of that, this is there, but what a healthy relationship does look like, how to take care of yourself and find your own power, your own voice, knowing what your boundaries are and how to speak them and your, and what's how to give consent how to take away consent. <laughs> yeah. There is just so many things we can do to prevent, but uh, we also have to try and raise awareness and try and get it heard so that those who have the resources can hopefully make some changes in helping people and how they help people and how they reach people. Exactly. Oh, I hope, I hope uh, in time there will be a shift where things can be a little bit more comprehensive for that because I remember um, there was that article uh, I think because it was dealing with J.K. Rowling that's our uh, I already knew where it was going (laughs) and then on top of that I was like do I really want to hear what they're going to talk about here (laughs) but I'm I was thinking oh she's doing a great thing because it was uh, something about setting up centers for helping people who were victim of sexual assault and then as you go further along you're just like oh but this is not um, going to assist anyone that may be transgender. And I'm like, unreal. sexual assault has no gender to it. It happens. No, not at all. <laughs> anybody. It can happen yes. to any person. But to say that we're only going to make this resource that can help people, um, you're, you're, you're not going to be willing to do that. I get if you're uh, comfortable with assisting um transgender people and whatnot in your business i i could get that but don't let it be something that is actually meant to serve people who are victimized because look create a safe space great that's you do you within your safe space but if you have resources that people can really use that can change their life make their lives better don't don't take take that from people who really need it these are the most vulnerable people in our society who needs yes. these things. Let them get access to these resources. That's like saying, oh, I have water, but I'm not going to let you drink because you're this, um, you're something that I'm uncomfortable with. Give me my fucking water. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Ridiculous. It is. It is. But it's, that is a great example of how privilege can affect privilege and access to resources, privilege, access to support and help can affect people from getting to a safe space and can keep a whole vulnerable section of the population from rising and breaking the cycle. Mm. And that's awful. That's awful that that happens, but it does. There's state laws that prevent access to state money for transgender populations in various various south and west areas of the United States. Um, and I'm laughing about that because it's like unreal that in 2023, we've gone backtracking in our ability to, you know, be inclusive. And it's just mm. so effed up, so fucked up. Exactly. <laughs> so fucked up. It's like hard to believe it's actually happening. But um, yeah, so that just brings down sections of the population and keeps them from changing their their ability to rise again 
and mm -hmm. start over. That's not fair. It's not. It's awful. Exactly. Whew. Now that we got Heavy. those things off our chest, <laughs> this random divorce story. What's up? What's <laughs> <laughs> not going to forget? Oh my gosh! Well, my uh, when I had when I had brought that up with you, that was not long um, after I had come out. Actually, let's see. I am. This is twenty twenty three. It was right before the pandemic when I uh, moved out. So I think I came out in like 2018 or 2019. Mm -hmm. And I was married to a dude, a cis dude <laughs> that, um, that gave me my babies and was my high school sweetheart-ish. I say ish uh, because I have no idea what we were. <laughs> and... <laughs> Um, we wound up like dating and in college and getting married right out right when I was out of college, like two years after that and went through a lot together, uh, foreclosure of a house, him being out on the road while I was home. Uh, he was a cross country truck driver for a while, a loss of a baby. And then at some point, Around, like a, like a decade into our marriage, um, we were like, oh, let's let's open this up. Let's see what this is all about. And that's kind of like how I started to figure out what my my gender and sexuality issues was through exploring non-monogamy. And the weird parts of that were that I went through like this these weird stages of like figuring out my identity. So I went from like being this very effeminate, like super girly girl, right. Where I was, my personality was very masculine, like how I, how I presented my inner self. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that, but like my exterior was extremely feminine. And I went from that to a witchy woman. <laughs> to, <clears throat> To like this 70s hippie chick. Ooh, yes. <laughs> and then like all the way like around the bend and back again to like all these different like personas that I was like trying on for myself. Right. Completely confusing my husband at the time and <laughs> driving him bonkers probably. Um, but we wound up like going from like open ethical swinger kind of a situation to uh, trying out polyamory where he was dating and I was dating to having my girlfriend move in with us while he was dating somebody else. And then at some point in that like transition of all those different things, I discovered that I was in two very unhealthy relationships, actually three, if you want to count the relationship with myself. Mm, that's real. And yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> My husband and my ex-girlfriends, uh, they were they were both just like very controlling of me. And I I don't know how I didn't see looking back until like actually learning more about myself, but all these little trends and parts of myself that I was giving away because I wasn't aligned with myself. And also because I didn't know what a healthy relationship was supposed to look like. So it really turned in and on itself. And I wound up, um, <laughs> I wound up having a 
problem with him and how he was treating me and it was becoming scary. He was having these big blowups where he was like punching walls and threatening my life. And it became just very, very, very scary. So we wound up separating and I wound up uh, moving in by myself. And that's kind of where I was able to take a step back and look at myself and look at my relationship with him and look at my relationship with the others and kind of see in they weren't in a healthy space and they and I wasn't being my true self I was changing myself for my girlfriend for my boyfriend for the other girlfriends for the um people that we were sleeping around with and I was just like I was all these different people and that's what was so random about my divorce story is that like I was one way with him and another way with her and then another way with all these other people I had these different masks on I was conforming to what everybody needed from me but I didn't even know who I was for myself Mm. and so I really needed that uh that shaken up that I was getting from from those people like getting so annoyed and mad at me and like freaking out about things even though the way they did it was so scary and unhealthy and toxic and I should never happen to anybody. I can look back at that and get something out of it still. And that was that it was my red flag to do some work on myself and to figure out who I am. So I'm not changing myself and what I'm promising people all the time, but also putting myself first and not being something for somebody else that I'm not Mm. wound up, uh, getting into a much healthier relationship after that (laughs) and figuring out that I'm gender fluid and I'm uh, so I'm consider myself non-binary. I still consider myself a lesbian, even though I don't align with, uh, with the typical definition of lesbian, but I only really like want to be in a relationship with women Hmm. um, or people that were of the feminine spirit and I wasn't in the right job for the right reasons. I had to do some work on that. I became a happier, healthy person when I put myself first. Mm. Ooh, I'm so happy for your growth and love it for you. Um, like that, that's a story. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, the, just the development of it all, like from, you know, high school sweeties, I guess, to, you know, transition into adulting. And then how within that process, you had to recognize and come into yourself, because honestly, a lot of people do not realize how we, we develop into different personas as our lives develop, because we learn new things, we be exposed to new things we're exposed to different ideologies and different ways of living life that we adapt to things that fit us a little bit more or we Mm. um move into positions that um, require more of us and within that we grow a lot more we grow and become a different person than we were before and we have to sit with ourselves to understand like who am i today 
Like I, yeah. we're, we're never the same person that we were yesterday. Like tomorrow, I already know because of this conversation, I'm a completely different person because hmm. of that. Um, I'm growing some more. I've gained new knowledge. So I am a lot better. Even the things that I forget. And when I re-listen to this episode, I'm going to be like, oh, that's where I got this from. That's why I step in this way a lot more or a lot differently because of this conversation. And people do have to sit with that. And I love that you mentioned that you um, pretty much looked at the red flags from yourself because I already know the episode title is going to be dealing with red flags. I don't know exactly how I'm going Mm -hmm. to phrase it. It's going to be dealing with red flags in the internal issues. Like most people... Yeah, we can see the red flags in others. We can see the generalized red flags that we have for other people, but we don't really sit and understand what are the red flags that I have within myself that I'm not acknowledging. I can acknowledge how I'm treating other people poorly. I can acknowledge how other people treat me poorly, but we don't often acknowledge how we're treating ourselves poorly. Yes, yes, absolutely. That... (sighs) treat yourself the way you would you would be treating others or vice versa if you if you have the ability to give kindness and compassion to your closest friend then you should be able to give that same respect to yourself that same kindness and compassion to yourself mm. being uh able to speak kindly when you're having to yourself when you're having a difficult time or when you're not doing something just right or you're going through a tough time is just as important as put a, give, putting that hand on that back of your close friend, patting them and rubbing their back and being like, I'm here for you. I know this is a hard time. If you can do that to your good friend, you can do that to yourself. Mm. And that is very much needed when you're going through a tumultuous, <laughs> tumor, that's a horrible word. It is. Term- <laughs> Tumultuous? Uh, is that it? Sure. Is that a T word? T word. <laughs> the turf. Yeah. Yeah. The turf. You're, you're going through the turf. Yes. <laughs> when you're going through a, a tornado of life. Yes. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and everything's crumbling around you. You know, and that's so hard to do. But once you start doing that, it takes a little bit of that inner voice that's holding you back away. So you can look and think clearly about your situation and move forward, Mm -hmm. move forward in the healthy path that you should be taking when it's not a healthy situation that you're in. Exactly. So I I, I hope for (laughs) introspection (laughs) for a lot of people. Uh, I, I like we do need to take those days and take that time to just really reflect in who I am and what I want and what I need in this world. And just because that's a part of mental health. That's a part of understanding yourself and how you relate to other people and how other people relate to you and all of these things. Cause that's a relationship. Relationship is all about uh, how we relate with each other and what connections we form and how those connections work and how we build those connections Mm. and build intimacy within that. Cause intimacy in itself has different versions and how it interacts with others and all of that. Like, Look, that's the episode. Okay. So, <laughs> oh. Perfect. I love that ending. <laughs> right. So um, let's do one. Never have I ever. Just so we can 
end this episode on a very, very warm light. Actually, this this is not even that positive, but it's interesting. Okay. You ready? Sure. Never have I ever been injured during sex. <laughs> um, I have. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, like I, I don't know if it was like a muscle spasm or mm. something, but like I, I pulled a muscle having sex because <laughs> 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 I'm not old. <laughs> oh my god, I support. So uh, I was saying, I. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that because now I'm like, I need to start stretching before. I need to do sh- more stretching. I definitely advocate for some pre-sex activities that include stretches. <laughs> right. Look, we're going in today. Oh my God, you're my partner here. We're Let's do a little, you know, put your hands out, stretch a little bit, do a little T, go to the left. Let's go to the Feel right. Butterfly stretches. <laughs> like, we're Airplane going to have wings. fun today. Let me get my neck going do my little <laughs> jaw circulation and whatnot uh, wah, wah, that's wah, fabulous wah. yes <laughs> don't forget the jaw. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here to make sure so i i would say if we're talking about like muscle spasms or anything uh like that i have injured myself during sex because like my jaw does not ever do what it needs to do so like my if my jaw is sore i'm just like i'm done we're i'm look oral is out of the question at this point i just cannot continue my jaw is not here my jaw is not jawing okay i am not the shark okay (laughs) let's keep it moving let's keep it moving (laughs) going down on my wife for a very long time and I was like in a weird position trying to do that and like my tongue and my mouth was starting to go numb but I was staying there for the final finale right like I was not going anywhere gotta put the troops in yes Yes. (laughs) things we do for Like I things myself, we do for love. I've told myself a while ago if I really, really love a person, I will I will go above and beyond. If my jaw is really killing me, I will do that for you because I love you. But these motherfuckers <laughs> out here in these streets, you are not we are not together like that. Oh no, 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 no. I, I'll tell somebody real quick, mm, you got a good two minutes on this, cause what what are you doing over here? If you do your pregame, buddy, before I come in on it, all right? Exactly. You should have had a mouth that warmed you up. Why don't you have a fluffer? Where's the okay? fluffer? <laughs> do you not have one of those? Like I have one. How dare you not have your fluffer available for you in your dick? How dare you? <laughs> You're too poor for me. Let me stop. Oh, amazing. I love that so much. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, if everybody ain't laughing and feeling better after the episode, <laughs> right? I don't know what will. <laughs> exactly, exactly. If you're not feeling good, I'm sorry. In the show notes, there's always going to be some resources. Call those numbers. They'll help you out because I'm in a good uh, mood now. So. You're going to include a resource or fluffers in there for them? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, a friend of mine and I, we were talking about this today. And I, I, I was like, I would not mind working as a fluffer, but at the same mm-hmm. time, 
some fluffers suck dick. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sick that day. I got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> you said I had to do what? Suck? Oh, I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> I'm allergic awesome. to dick. Art, don't you have sex with men? That's why I use condoms. Duh. Well, can you put a condom on this dick? Mm. Is that latex? Is that non-latex too? I'm allergic to both of those. Mm-mm, y'all have what I need. I'm so sorry. Mm, no. <laughs> Sucking dick? Who? Uh, fantastic. <laughs> okay. Love that with all my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, on that note, Lori, do you have mm. any last words that you want to share with the audience? Last words. <laughs> <laughs> Um, have fun with life, everybody. Just look at it um, and remind yourself that this is your one and only chance here on this earth to do everything that you want to do. So are you in line with that? Are you feeling like you're heading in the path that's going to make you feel fulfilled and happy? If you're not, seek out someone to talk it through and see what you can do to help yourself. Uh, you can go to my website, lauriesweetman.com or, uh, you can listen to me on These Queer Stories, a podcast that'll be, well, this is early in 2023, so it'll be coming out pretty soon. By the time you hear this episode, it should be out, but check it out, thesequeerstories.com, and I hope to hear from you. If you have any questions about anything that was said today or you want someone to support you in your journey, reach out to me. Reach out to Vernon. Find somebody that you can confide in, and I hope you'll get there. Be kind to yourself because you can get there. Yes. Oh, I love you, Lori. I truly do. Oh, I love you too, <laughs> Vernon. <laughs> You're awesome. I do my best. I do my best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to the audience, thank you all so much for listening to the Holy Whoopie podcast where we step out and speak on sexuality. Just mm. in case no one else told you this today, you are beautiful. You are worthy of happiness and joy. You are enough and then some. You may not live up to the expectations of others, but that is okay. You are only required to walk in your own shoes. May each day you live lead you towards abundance. With that said, love you all and see you next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Holiloquy Podcast, where we step out and speak on sexuality. You can subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcasting app and find us on the web at www.holiloquy.com. That's www.h-e-a-u-x-l-i-l-o-q-u-y.com. Share the podcast with your friends and join the conversation.